Welcome to an emergency edition of the Mini Break Podcast, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. The reason we are convening this show at 2.17 a.m. Eastern time is given the fact that 22-time slam champion, defending Australian Open men's singles title winner and Top seed at this year's event, Rafael Nadal, has been eliminated from the year's first major. He falls to 27-year-old Mackenzie McDonald, 6'4", 6'4", 7'5", in what started out as a really fun second-round match between these two players. Now, ultimately, Rafa injures himself at the end of the second set. He tried to continue to play things out, and credit to him for getting to the finish line, but obviously, given the fact fashion Rafa finishes this match given the countless injuries that have plagued him throughout the course of his career we all have so many questions coming out of this match and given the nature of this occasion an emergency mini break podcast recorded after 2 a.m you know I had to bring in the big gun to join me here on today's show a returning champion of returning champions here on our Crack Rackets podcast contributor to oh so many platforms Platforms that you know dearly, host of the No Challenges Remaining podcast and the Obi-Wan to my Anakin. It's my dear friend, Ben Rothenberg. Ben, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I don't know that it ends well for Obi- Obi-Wan, but uh, I'm doing well. Doing Could, well. Couldn't you see the world where you yell at me, you are the chosen one, and you're just so disappointed in my actions. You were supposed to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. Like, I could see you yelling that at me after I inevitably do something stupid. Give it five minutes. I'm sure we'll get there in this show. Do you want to hear my impression of the music? We can get there right away. No. No one Thank you. I know. I'm just saying that's these are the thoughts you have after 2 a.m. I had a roommate in college, Michael Azaparty, who, true story, you couldn't be around us and say something like, don't try, or you turned her against me, which is the start of the ending monologue or duet, I suppose, between Anakin and Obi-Wan, which I have fully memorized because that's one of the movies of my generation. And it was always on TNT Thursday nights from like 2007 to 2019. But you're right. It's after 2 a.m. It's an emergency podcast. People don't want to hear my thoughts on the third Star Wars movie, technically sixth. They want to hear our thoughts on Rafa being eliminated from the 2023 Australian Open. Let's start with the tennis itself because you did something you rarely do as I was going through that opening monologue to kick off this show, Ben. You shook your head in agreement when I brought up the fact that the tennis (laughs) through the first 80 minutes of this match, I thought it was pretty good. Like Mackey, who opened up a 4-1 lead, Rafa gets one of the breaks back, but Mackey ultimately closes things out 6-4 in the first. He came out aggressive. And if you've ever watched the 27-year-old former NCAA singles champion, that's what he always does best. Brilliant ball striker. I thought this was really good tennis, Ben. It was really good for Mackey, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Like Rafa, I mean, right. Rafa's, Rafa hasn't been himself on court since... Wimbledon, you could say when he got hurt against Fritz, or maybe even since you know the end of the French Open last year, whenever you want to draw the line, Rafa has been kind of a shadow of himself in a lot of ways. And so this was, and he's taken a lot of losses. And so this was kind of that level Rafa, more or less. 
and Mackie just being better than that level roughly pretty clearly. The conditions were playing really favorably for him. It was indoors, closed roof while it was raining outside, uh, playing pretty low, pretty flat. And, and Mackie was just doing what he does, you know, zipping the ball flat, you know, centimeters over the over the net as on court reporter Wally Masur kept saying on the uh, on the mm-hmm. world feed he was he was like he's gonna start hitting the net soon he's gonna start hitting the net soon he couldn't he couldn't get it why the ball kept going over the net for Mackie but it did and uh and Mackie was just you know hugging the baseline playing well doing his thing and Rafa was having a really hard time getting his shots you know bound up over Mackie's shoulders Mackie's not a big guy normally that's the kind of guy who who Rafa can pick apart by just you know kicking it over his head repeatedly um and and just that wasn't working for Rafa today and so Mackie yeah, got off to a really fast 4-1 start, won the first set, uh 6-4, got you know, got tight, but he served it out. Uh and then Mackie was up a break at 4-3 in the second after Rafa had come back. So Mackie was up two love in the second, then Rafa came back, got up three two, then anyway, Mackie was ahead four three, and that's when the injury happened. So Mackie was already up a set and a break when the injury, and it did seem to be fairly acute and fairly sudden, happened for Rafa. It looked like it was his left hip. Uh, was issued there. He hasn't come into press yet. We don't know the details on it yet and what the treatment he got was. We went for off-court treatment. All that is to say, Mackie was winning this match before the injury happened. Uh-huh. And then the, the third set, you know, Rafa... Well, was, it was, before yeah. we get to that third set, because you bring up a couple of good points and I will let you sure. describe the injury because your insight right there already better enunciated than I ever would have. But to your point about Mackie, and having watched a lot of Mackenzie McDonald over the years, because for what it's worth, he's my grade in high school, my grade in college. Like he was the best guy in my class. So a lot of Mackie ball in my time. And that's what a former coach of his referred to it as when Mackie's hitting those line drive winners and just striking the ball perfectly on the rise. He calls it Mackie ball. And when Mackie's in that sort of zone, there's just not a lot you can do. I was talking to Carousel, former hitting partner of Naomi Osaka and former teammate of Mackie's at UCLA. And I asked, him about what playing with freshman Mackie was like because Carew was on a team with freshman Mackie McDonald, junior and NCAA champion Marcos Garone, number one player in the time in college by the name of Clay Thompson. That team didn't win an NCAA championship, which remains remarkable. But I asked him what young Mackie was like, and Carew's exact words were, I used to go up to him and just go, dude, you're so good. Because there are times when Mackie just does that, when he hits the cover off the ball, when he's playing this line drive tennis that you just feel like cannot be repeated, and he was just eating the heavy topspin of Rafa up. And you point to Rafa, you know, who was clearly sloppy, was clearly spraying early in rallies. He had two breakpoint chances. He missed both returns, sprayed off his racket in that first two sets. Yet overall, Rafa, 42 winners against 31 unforced errors. The big thing for Mackey, 42 winners against 22 unforced errors. He was in the zone when he needed to be, and then he was efficient when he needed to be at the end, which, to your point, was obviously inspired by that Rafa injury. And the big question, of course, because we'll just talk about what happened with that left tip in the moment, because I won't lie, that was the one moment where I turned away from my screen, I turned back, and I see it's an injury timeout. Yeah, I mean, basically, Rafa, what was the score? He was 30-15, was just sort of running to his left, and I think it was 13, and and just pulled up. Or it was 15-all, maybe, and then we lost the point at 13. But I'll he, forgive you if you're a point off. Whatever. He was he was running to his left, and they just sort of pulled up and sort of hopped a bit to the sideline and bent over the side barrier 
of the court and and was there for several several seconds and mariana valievich the chair empire was saying like rafa are you okay like it was clearly he was in some distress and then he went back to the baseline and didn't move from mackie's next two serves basically didn't make any move the next two returns and then the trainer came out to see him uh they stopped because it wasn't a changeover it was five three so they stopped uh, the match he, he went to his chair he went for an off-court medical timeout came back held and then Mackie held to take the two-set lead. And a lot of people thought Rafa might retire right there. People were waiting to see if he would just go down two sets to 11 and then retire. But gamely, he stayed at it and, you know, let Mackie finish the win, which was was nice of him. And, and also let the crowd finish and everything. And, you know, the commentators were being very overt about this in the Australian Open world, which a little bit surprised me. But saying, you know, maybe this is Rafa's, maybe Rafa's That's thinking, maybe fine. this is his last match in, in Melbourne and Rod Labor Arena doesn't want to end it on a retirement. He wants to stick it out. Um, and he did play very gamely in that in that third set. You know, it can be interesting seeing a guy who's clearly injured or, or woman. I remember one of the most clear ones is for me, Serena, uh, her second of two losses only to Sharapova in the 2004 year in championships. I don't know if you ever saw this match. It's a good one to do a retrospective on someday. And then we talked about maybe during during the pandemic doing that. We had a lot of free time. But anyway, uh, he, uh, she had like an ab tear. Um, but was playing with it and like serving just like sidearm serves and just like ripping from the hip, like first ball winners. And in front of, went up for love in that third set before losing that match, spoiler. Uh, but uh, she, anyway, but, but Rafa was doing a little bit the same, just seeing him like trying to work what he has. You see how talented he is that even like completely compromised, he can still win lots of points, hit aces more at will. Like he was hitting a bunch of aces in that third set. Um, he, you know, was managing it. And then, in the 11th game at five all, he just like totally ran out of gas. He was like, okay, this is it. Like I, I played a really flat game, kind of handed that game to Mackie. And then Mackie walked away with it seven, five. Um, but you know, it seemed like Rafa didn't want to, didn't want to give up and was compromised and could still even like Rafa at 10%. <laughs> it's honestly like a marginally top hundred player. It's pretty remarkable. Here's your, here's your stat from the third set that sticks out from this performance. Rafa, 42 winners in the match, 24 of them came in that third set. Where yeah, he was just gripping and ripping. He was no, just going was, for it. Was, it. I'm swinging freely. Exactly. Gripping and ripping would be the appropriate way of saying that. And it was impressive. But, you know, you bring up something where I want to turn to next because I have never heard a commentary booth linger so long on this prospect of Rafa perhaps retiring after the course of this match. And for listeners who aren't aware, although I imagine many of you listening to this emergency podcast are, Rafa, of course, has dealt with countless injuries over the course of his career that has kept him out for extended periods, you know, full second halves of seasons, etc. throughout the course of his career of late. It's been a foot injury that, you know, he really dealt with throughout the course of the U.S. Open and throughout the course of the ending of the year. It limited what he was able to do on the court and limited his practice time when not competing as well. And with with that context in mind, of course, he was still the number one seed and defending champion in this event. And you talked about that win percentage for what it's worth. Rafa, during this pandemic era, you know, August 2020 onwards, 78 and 19 overall. He's won 80% of his matches, which is 2% below his career average, but still 80%. He's 30 and 10 over his last 52 weeks, still a 75% win percentage, though. His serve has dipped outside of the top 25 in terms of hold percentage. He's still really freaking good, to your point. But the commentary booth continued to linger on the prospect of, well, given the health injuries, given he has a child now, all these different things, will this be his last Australian Open? Why was that the sentiment? 
And he hasn't been that good. I mean, you spun it very positively there and or going long term to full pandemic. But since Wimbledon, since retiring Wimbledon with that injury, uh, uh, retiring after beating Fritz, well, uh, he's he won been, he's two been, he's slams been, last year. Let me just stop. I'm, like, like he no, did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you from stopping me and okay. keep going. <laughs> good, at, good. Starting at, Wimbledon, starting at Wimbledon, he's has not been good. I don't think he's a losing record officially, but it's close to it. He was the George at first match in Cincinnati, which aged well because George won the tournament. No one saw that coming. He loses to Tiafo after three pretty janky matches at the U.S. Open. Loses to Tiafo. Loses to Ty Paul. At, in Paris, Bercy loses to Taylor Fritz and somebody else in the round robin of uh, World Tour Finals, only gets a win over dead rubber Casper Ruud, goes to United Cup, loses both matches there, loses a set to Jack Draper, which actually a lot of He's people thought He's five and seven overall, by the way. You're right. Which for Rafael Nadal standards is unacceptable. Gutter. Probably the first time it's since really, 2000. Oh, yeah. I mean, like he just doesn't lose like this anymore. And also the other set from, from US perspective He's lost five matches in the last, uh, what, like 10 months to Americans after having lost one in the previous, like, 10 years. So, and, and it's been like, some weird stuff. And look, but, like, people people gave Jack Draper, I think, a real chance in that first round match. That was the one that got circled. Mackie kind of went under the radar a bit in this draw. I think people thought Nakashima would actually win the first round. I don't think people even put Mackie in this draw, per se. But for him to beat the uh, Milan champ and the defending champ back-to-back is a pretty nice way to make the third round in Australia. And, uh, you know, he, yeah, but Rafa, Rafa's, Rafa's not himself. This is not, this is incredibly below his standards results wise, dramatically below his standards. And it, it, he's not going to want to keep going like that for much longer. So it's what it is. I looked this up. He lost four consecutive matches, Djokovic, Davidenko, Djokovic, Soderling in 2009. It was a pair of semifinals, all three matches in the tour finals. That's a little different. The last time there was really a losing streak like this, he lost five of six to end the 2003 season. Lost four of five at the end of 2004. Love to press show career on tennis abstract. Love to do it. Well, shout out. But no, because you're absolutely right. Like, it, it, it's a different standard for Rafa, and he, you, you're certain he asks himself, what's the point and This of isn't playing? a good stretch for anybody, but yeah, for Rafa, it's but, really uh, bad. But you wonder for Rafa, again, this idea of the notion of you turn right to retirement, why is that the, the, the thing that's turned to right away? What leads to that being just like not even extended time away, not even, okay, Rafa may not be the same version of himself, but he's still going to continue to play. Why is retirement like right. so clearly the option when he's still a top 10 player? I was I was a little surprised at how quickly they went to that. He's not playing like a top ten player. His results, if there was like a, a running race, I don't know, there probably is somewhere you could find it. His results uh, in the last eight months, or you know, since winning French Open, have not been top ten. Just not close. Uh, he, you know, has he's thirty six years old, turning thirty seven this year, and he's been famously injury riddled. This was a new injury. This hip injury was not something he's even really had to my knowledge before. It was a pretty new sudden injury and. We saw him limping around the court today and we saw him limping around off court, you know, last year during his trophy shoot at the French Open and he got the the radio frequency ablation treatment, like the number of medical terms I've had to learn because of Rafael Nadal in my life. Like, I mean, he's been someone who's been, it's been the whole story and eventually it will catch up to him. The same way it'll catch up to everybody, the same way it caught up to Serena, the same way it caught up to Federer, the same way it will catch up to Nadal and will catch up to Djokovic and has caught up to Murray several times already, you know, like these sort of things, like it's inevitable that it's going to run out. And I do agree with you. The commentary in the world feed, I thought was a bit 
leaning into it. But at the same time, they're, you know, they have to call it if they see it. And if sure. they see Rafa lingering in the middle of the court, waving to the crowd, it does look very final. The same way when Serena did it when she lost to Naomi Osaka in the 2021 Australian Open semis. Remember, she took a sort of a long wave to yeah. the Rob Laver crowd. She didn't come back to yeah. Melbourne. She never did. So, you know, uh, I, I think that this could be this could be it for Rafa. I mean, in terms of like, I'm not, this is the last match of his career. I mean, that's on the table. You never know. It could be. But uh, he is signed up to play Dubai. You know, he got a deal there. He's if he's healthy, he'll play. And obviously, he wants to probably play Paris one more time if anything happens. And he loves Wimbledon. Um, you know, so who knows? I'm not. I'm not putting a date on it. But you know, you have to be realistic about this at a certain point, and it's going to be over. I think the odds of him retiring in 2023 seem pretty high. There is the 2024 Olympics, which are at Roland Garros, which he might really like. But at some point, if he's not having fun, he just had a kid. Let you know. Go change some diapers for a while. Yeah, it, you put in a, some good yards. No, it, it's a fair sentiment. I mean, certainly you feel like there's at least one more role on Garros, and that would just be the perfect place for him to end his career, however it may end. I mean, but, well, no, but, but but let's say it ends with like a third round, you know, loss to a uh, to a very know. much informed Sebi Baez. Well, that's not anything we have on tour right now. Yeah, that's um, true. But on the uh, okay, surround like to. Um, not hitting it yet, like uh, Fanini. Okay, no, no, that's he would he would hate bad, that. He would hate bad that call. Yeah, okay, he would hate that's that. But I'm saying, like, but I'm saying, but yeah. but, if, but if he's that far below his level, he doesn't get to choose who he loses to, Fair. and he puts it at risk. And so, you know, if he, if he, it's up to him. It's up to him. And I do think he's having those thoughts and those conversations. Are he said that were happening. He's talked about having contemplated retirement many. That's times the other thing, right? It's because the crazy he's thing about, about Nadal. It. The crazy thing about Nadal was not this. It was what he did in 2022. Yeah. That was the outlier. Her yeah. to do that after all the injury issues, he had to come back and win this tournament at the Australian Open was insane. And that he did that is still crazy. Uh, he now becomes the uh, first, what is it? What's this that I was seeing here? He is the first uh, defending champion of the slam to lose this early since Djokovic 2017 Australian Open. This was a bad, you know, loss in a lot of ways. And Rafa doesn't take too many of these. I think it's his earliest slam. Well, He's had a few early slam losses, but you know, I yeah. But the, the crazy thing was that he's kept it going this long. This is the normal part that a 36 year old has, who's been struggling with injury gets another injury and gets beaten by a mid top hundred kind of guy who's having a good day. Well, to that point, the physicality of the first 90 minutes of this match was immense. Like Mackey had Rafa moving, and again, mm-hmm. vintage Rafa. Sometimes it takes him a set to find his form, but he ultimately finds his form. And he just wasn't able to get to that gear. And by the time he did midway through that second set, he hurts himself. And that's just a stark reminder. 36 years old, it's a little harder to just summon that gear at will. Again, you're right. I think the other thing for retirement rumors that is key to mention is the idea that he's talked openly about how much this foot injury has lingered and how debilitating it has been to his whole process. And Rafa is very much a process-oriented guy, and he wants to be putting in the hard yards at all time. When he can't do that, it just throws him off his rhythm. Still, I do want to quickly turn to Mackenzie McDonald as we wrap this show because you look for Mackie, who I tweeted out earlier in the day, he has always just had funkiness happen to him. 
at the Australian Open. I remember because it was our first time going daily through any uh, Grand Slam when he took Dimitrov to the fifth set back in 2018. That was was 8-6 in the fifth. He played a really fun match against Dan Evans in 2020. Chilich in 2019, they go four. He goes uh, four sets with Karatsev last year. Four sets win over Chorich in 2021, where, by the way, in 2021, he made the round of 16 here. You look for Mackenzie McDonald into the third round of a slam for a fourth time in his his career, but it's the third time in the last 11 slams that he's made the third round. Ben, that sounds like a top 50 player. And you look for Mackey, who is back right around number 60 in the live rankings with this win, 27 years old. Let's remember, two and a half years ago, his whole hamstring ripped off his left leg. And like this is a guy who suffered a serious injury, a guy who took the time, went and played college tennis. He had injuries in the juniors as well. And just, you know, it's funny, these Bruins, Marcos Giron has fake hips. You know, Mackie McDonald has a, a, a reattached hamstring. Cressy's Cressy. Like, these Bruins. I, this is a really impressive match for Mackie. And, again, I think it's just – it's funny. It's a reminder. He's, Mackie's 28-30 and 30 over his last 52 weeks. 2-22 and 22 against the top 50 for his career. 1-13 against top 10 opponents going into today's match. And yet again, you said it earlier – he outplayed Rafa through the first 90 minutes, and he played well to do it. Like, this is a significant win for a guy who, let's not forget, injury. Like, it sucks because the injury is the story. And yet, Mackey played a match deserving a victory, and he was classy throughout. Yeah, no, he was great. And and he, he got off to a big enough start that he'll have that, you know, and he knows that Rafa was not acutely injured, you know, before that moment late in the, th- in the second set. Crowd knows that he'll know that he'll feel good about this, and he was very, I don't want to say contrite, but he was not, you know, at all boisterous in victory. He was very sure. calm about it. In, you could even in tell reaction and- he hit, he fist pumped after hitting a backhand short angle cross five six love thirty to set up the break point. He fist pumped and then he quickly paused himself. He's like, "Ah, don't do it." Like, like he did. Well, but it was just very and, and maybe that's part of why this the third set was as competitive on the scoreboard as yeah, it was. It's, it's because really Matthew hard. Was, was hold was holding back, and it's tough, especially you know when you're. Really pro Rafa crowd, a really sympathetic pro Rafa crowd. You know, I'm sure he looks up to this guy. He even was a bit more of a Federer guy historically, uh, and he, you know, is is uh, there. You know, having to put him out, you know, having to bury him, it's yeah. tough. And a lot of a lot, it's not easy. A lot of guys have not been able to do that in situations and women against top players who are injured. It's not an easy thing to do. And there's still in a best of five match, still a long way to go. You know, you've been out there for a long time, but still a long way to the finish line uh, when you're only up two sets to love. And, and Rafa made him made him earn it. Pretty much the the last two games were pretty tanky or pretty just kind of throwing the towel from Rafa a bit. But until then, uh, Rafa made him work for it for sure. And yeah, Mackie, you know, I, I it's tough to know how much this is a breakthrough for him. Actually, in some ways, the the bigger test, uh, this is a ridiculous thing I'm about to say, but he has a bad record against Nishioka, who he plays in the third round, you know, potentially if I think Nishioka plays for China. Uh Dalibor for China in the in the third in the second round. So that's winner of that. You know, and then he could get Francis potentially or or, or Hatchinoff. Um, you know, I think he can. I think he can win all those matches potentially. But uh, you know, it's gonna, it's if he wants to. It's a question of where if Mackie has a ceiling. If that's just top fifty, if he can ever get to be seated at a Grand Slam, if he can go even further than that. I mean, let's go crazy. Like, there's no reason why Mackie potentially couldn't put in the work and get almost like a Jesse Pagula upside, right? Like not a dissimilar player on the women's side. That's a take. Um, that, that, that's, that is the most rose 
color. T- I'm, I'm saying it is that's like that's the, that's the upside. Like if he can do that and translate that very similar same kind of game, they actually do play. Now I'm thinking about it, they play a lot of like, um, and he can make that happen. You know, and just carve out a niche and be that really steady guy. I don't know if he has the durability for that. I don't know if he has X and Y. I think neither of us, if I remember correctly, picked him for our top ten for the Americans this year. I did not. I did not durability either. durability concerns. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how he, how he plays out, and he's got an opportunity here. But obviously, already, you know, I think it's a bit unfair to him to even talk about the future because this is the biggest night of his career. Yeah, and again. just let's let's just let's just happy, you know, let him enjoy that. Second career top ten victory, third career top twenty victory into the third round for just of the slam for just the fourth time in his career. Reapproaches the top sixty. You talk about the impact on you the said those, you said those, you said those numbers. But it's yeah. like you beat Nadal yeah. at a slam. Like that's the it's it's words. It's not numbers. 100%. You beat Nadal. You beat Rafa at a slam. And the yeah, top seed, deal. top seeded, yeah. defending yeah. champion in straight exactly. sets. Straight exactly. sets. That's exactly. remarkably impressive. Again, Mackie, forty-two winners in this match against just twenty-two unforced errors. The Pagula upside is a bold thing to say, simply because he just struggles so much on clay courts specifically throughout his career. And to Pagula's sure. credit, she was always good on every surface. But, I mean, again, this guy who's been in a fourth round of Wimbledon, we see him beat Rafa here at the Australian Open into the third round for a second time at this major. It's a great result. It's a great story. You look at the draw now. Again, Rafa eliminated. Medvedev, though, the defending finalist, still lingers in this quarter. I had he him advancing good. out of it before this upset. Now, certainly, you probably have him as a prohibitive favorite, though Tiafo has looked really good. Straight set victory for him. He's over not prohibitive. Chung, no, Korda, who, by the way, you are already praising me, Obi-Wan, as being a better predictor once again of American men's tennis than you. Korda perhaps lingering against Medvedev. Shapo always dangerous. Hercats Hatchinov in this section. It's still a really fun quarter even without Rafa. How much does this impact the draw in your mind? Oh, a lot, obviously. I mean, because it's still Rafa and Rafa would still not really be an underdog in almost any match he played. If he kept going, you know, he would still, even if he got to Medvedev in the quarters, let's say, you know, he would have still have won four straight matches, including maybe over Tiafo, including over uh, even Draper. Draper would have felt like a big deal when he beat Draper, honestly, um, which is part of why I got caught a little off guard by Mackie taking it to him here because I thought that was his big hurdle of the first week with Draper, um, especially once he avoided Nakashima. So, you know, I, yeah, Tiafo has sort of that quarter, or that eighth to himself a bit. He's not a favorite to make the uh, the quarterfinals, which is a bit of a different look for, for Tiafo. Uh, Although he's yeah. looked that part of late, man, he looked. But I'm just saying, ranking, ranking wise, he, ranking wise, he's never had that. He's never had it's a true. situation in a draw where, like, okay, Tiafo, you know, he's up to 14 in the live rankings. As he should be. I mean, like, look, he, yeah, he can. He really he can there's no reason if he. I, I don't know what the out of the numbers, but if he makes like a semi or a final, which is entirely on the cards, he'd probably be top 10 ish at sure. that point. Like, he's he's rising big. I've heard that the big foes on the come up is what they tell me. <laughs> so I, you know, I think that it's, I think that's cool. And I, yeah, Medvedev, Korda, I think it's a really big circleable third round match. That's been pretty clear since the draw came out. Uh, then you know, winner against winner that against her catcher, Chapeau. Neither of them has been that great this year, honestly. I think I would take almost whoever wants uh, Korda, Medvedev over, over either of those guys. Um, and then Francis. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun little section. And then, you know, even go down to the rest of that top half. There's, you know, Felix looks very shaky today. In his win over Mulchon, uh, Nori, you know, it's obviously Nori, and he's tough to get too 
overconfident about and just because of how he plays. And then Sitsipas has been lackluster by his ranking standards for a while. And Sinner has not quite broken through yet either. So it's a very open, low-key, very open top half uh, with of the draw, especially if Medvedev, if Medvedev goes out. And there's yeah. no slam champs left, I believe. So Medvedev has looked really good, though. He really has. And so, again, it's still, that top quarter is fascinating. The top section of the draw is certainly open again. It's always nice to know it's not going to—well, nice as a perspective. I always find it more interesting when it's not just Djokovic versus Rafa when we're guaranteed, even if it's one yeah. of those guys versus someone else. And once again, we're going to get one, perhaps one of those guys versus someone else at the very least. So that makes this draw interesting. My last stat for you, before the tournament started, Tennis Abstract, shout out Jeff Sackman, gave Rafa a 0.5% chance of winning this event. The numbers never lie. We talked about it on we talked about it on NCR that Rafa in the Elo rankings coming to the tournament was fifteen. Crushed him. He was the, he was the top seed yeah. and he was number fifteen. Yeah. Like he just this is what I'm saying. This is not he's been bad or yeah. by his standards this is this is some of the worst Rafa we've seen. And so if he is going to sort of accept that defeat, if that's the way he's going to go on to go out, and you know, and maybe part of him's thinking, you know, crap, maybe I should have done what people thought I would and retired to the, in Paris last year, you know. People no. thought he might. There were real, real rumors about that, and maybe, maybe he's having us. Who knows? But it's, yeah. it has not been good. It's not been good. No, it's uh, again. He's earned the right to play for however long he wants. Oh yeah, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to chase no, no, him out. Of at course all. you're not. Of course no. you're not. But uh, the rumors will continue to persist, particularly with another nagging injury to start out the season. That said, again, Mackie McDonald, four, four, and five winner advances to the Australian Open third round over top-seeded Rafael Nadal. With that said, final minute, I'm just going to offer to you carte blanche. Any other Australian Open thoughts, any break point thoughts, any book plugging you'd like to do, the floor is yours, Ben Rothenberg. Well, I want to first update you with Rafael Nadal's transcript, which has landed since we started recording. He came out to press. That's called Um, filibustering successfully. Let's go. Sure. And then I'm happy to plug the book, obviously. But uh, before before that... uh, uh, he said, uh, got asked about what, what if he considered stopping. Um, and he said, I didn't ask, I'm old enough to take my own decisions. So I didn't want to retire to be defending champion here. No, I didn't want to leave the core of the retirement better like this at the end. I lost nothing to say, congratulate the opponent. That's the sport at the same time. Just try your best till the end. Doesn't matter the chances that you have and so on and so on. Um, how disappointing it is. He said, disappointing, just sort of scary. I haven't seen, I'm just reading this for the first time here. Um, just can't say that I am not mentally destroyed at this time because I will be lying. Okay. Um, it's hard, but it's been positive weeks in practice. Uh, this is uh, delightful. Yeah. I mean, people will see it, but I'm just, I just want to say there's nothing, there's nothing crazy that so, they, so far. So no dramatic, like, yes, I'm considering retirement sort of quote. Well, what he says is the last seven months have been another tough period of time and that's it. I don't know what can happen in the future. But yeah, I need to void again a long period of time outside because it's tough. It's been seven months playing almost nothing. And then if I have to spend a long time again, then it's super difficult to be in rhythm and be competitive, ready for the fight, the things that I really want to fight for. Let's see how the injury is and let's see how I manage to follow the calendar. That's yeah. the end of his press. Nothing. So nothing. So it's that the same sort story. Of, but, he also, but he also didn't get asked anything like what was being said in that World Feed booth. There was nothing. There, he didn't get at. There's no R word coming up in here. So because Ben um, Rothenberg wasn't on site to ask and use the R word. I tell you. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, Ben, I'm immensely grateful. When does the book come out? It's available for pre-order, correct? It is available for pre-order. Uh, 
there is not currently really a date. I know there is a date listed on some okay. of the pre-order the websites. title, by the way, please. Oh, it's called Naomi Osaka. Um, her journey to finding her power and her voice, I believe is the subtitle. Um, uh, still still working on it, still, still wrapping it up, rewriting some things, obviously, in terms of ending, because there's some new news on her front since... Uh, since early drafts of this were done, um, which is great. Congratulations to her. Um, and it gives a different sort of interesting ending and a few different threads uh, that were already touched upon that can be Obviously, the news that more. she is pregnant and an yes, expecting exactly. mother. That's what... So her, her baby's due before my book, I believe, at this point. <laughs> so, sure. um, yeah, looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, she said she... It's thinking about coming back uh, Australia 2024. So we will keep an eye on her for that. Um, if, and yeah, the book is available for pre-order. If the book does well, will she name and her? She has a son. Will his middle name be Ben? Well, the baby comes before the book, so tough well, to it know. It could be a working name. We we can work out working out, name. Yeah, working middle name. We haven't finalized uh, it till we know about the book. You know, I think that's unlikely. We have okay. gotten along, obviously. That's probably why I wanted to do this book. You know, because I've got I've just really enjoyed her. And, my career covering her I just found her to be a fascinating person and been great diving so much deeper into her story and background a lot of stuff people don't know uh will be in the book um but yeah it's uh yeah i don't think she's gonna name her kid after me i'd be surprised full circle here to talk about my college roommates we had a roommate whose name is benjamin schwartz who his whole life went by jamie i think i've told you this before but like as in short for benjamin yeah well i don't know where it came from but his parents just started calling him jamie when he was younger and so I mean the he, letters J A M I are in true. Benjamin. And so he always went by no, Jamie. I never thought but of that. But then when we left college and he went into the working world, he's a pilot. Shout out to him. He on all of his name tags, because his government name is Benjamin Schwartz, it just wrote Ben. So he pivoted back to Ben. And when I was in college, I used to mock him when I was angry. I'd say, listen, Benjamin, as opposed to calling him Jamie. And now he goes by Ben. And so we'll be hanging out with his other friends. And they'll be like, yo, Ben. And he'll respond. And I look at him. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're living a lie to yourself, to your community, to your – you're Jamie. You're not Ben. Like, who is this Ben that you've created? And so he's created a second persona out of Benjamin. Look, Shelton on the scene. Ben's stock is rising. Yeah. It's a great name for a great time. That's why they pivot. Yeah, you know. Do you miss – first NFL season, no Ben Roethlisberger. Did you miss him? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, no. I don't need to get like – 50 people yelling at me when there's an interception. Uh, Absolutely not. Tell me why people tell me why I didn't get Paul Malu traded. I don't need that stuff. All right. Plugs. What do you have to plug other than the book? NCR. Do we going to get it during the Australian Open? Yeah, we, we did a draw show with Tumani. I saw. Um, hoping uh, we did one with Reem too, reviewing Breakpoint. I don't know if you guys, I know you and Gil were doing Breakpoint stuff, I want to say. Um, I don't know if I haven't, I actually haven't seen if that's come out yet or not, but, uh, it's all right. I still love you. Carry on. Okay. Um, I've just been, yeah, I haven't been listening to too many pockets of any kind, including my own, um, lately. Uh, yeah, we'll do probably something else after the tournament, at least it's been nice, uh, not, you know, filing off a of grand slam for a change and, and just sort of watching it and, uh, yeah, keeping an eye on it. Naomi's like I said, not there. So nothing's really going to happen in this tournament is going to affect what I'm working on now. Um, I'm, I haven't totally transitioned into being on Melbourne time. Which I would like to. I would like to like stay up and watch this golf Raducanu match is about to happen, but I don't know if I'll make it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been nice. It's been nice. Don't worry. Yes, master. the book. The plug. Awesome. The plug is for the pre-order for the book, which you can maybe put a link in the description 
That'd be, that'd be very, very lovely of you. That would be my pleasure, Obi-Wan. Don't worry, I'll stay up for you. I got you covered as your Padawan. Um, all right, with all that said, shout out to you staying for up to put a URL. doing this. Thank you. Yes, thank you for doing this and staying up so late. Shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. Also, Wake, who has always a f- that I need job to do day in, day out. Shout out to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. Let's test Ben post 2 a.m. memory for the fantastic Ben Rothenberger, our super. You like that? I snicked it. Ben yeah. Rothenberger? Yeah. Is that I, right? See, I wanted to see if you were paying attention. That was intentional. Our dear friend, Ben what? Rothenberg. Because, again, it's late. This is the post to it. You know what? Leave it all in, Westoff. For the fantastic Ben Rothenberg, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Ben, what do we tell our listeners? That's another break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you, Benny.